Let me invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 11. We're going to be looking at several verses, but I want us to start with John chapter 11, verse 25. John eleven twenty-five. About a year ago, um, I had a, a chance, well, a little over a year ago now, to finish up my time as the interim pastor here, and I shared several messages talking about who Jesus is in our lives. We talked about Jesus is our Savior, He's our Good Shepherd, our Comfort Giver, He is the Life Changer, and ultimately, He should be the center of our life. This morning, I really felt led to, to take another look at Jesus. There is no better subject to preach than Jesus. And so we're going to take a few minutes to look at this passage of Scripture, John chapter 11, verse 25. There the Bible says, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet he or shall he live. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for how much you care for us and how you love us. I thank you for our church, and I just ask that you continue to be with us as a congregation. Help us to reach out and love to those around us. And Father, we ask especially that you be with D.B. Townsend right now, that you give her comfort and help. And Father, help us as a congregation to love on her. Father, we just thank you for this time, and we ask that you be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to go on a vacation, and it's something that I sometimes forget to do, um, and part of the thinking is, I enjoy what I do here, and so I don't really want to get away, but every once in a while, Elaine can see it. She sees that I'm about ready to bust, and I need to get out for a little bit, and so we planned a vacation to Southern California. My wife's family, that's where she's from. She had a, a cousin that she wanted to visit that's been fighting cancer, and everything was set to go, and all of a sudden, we get a call saying none of the family is going to be there. They're going to be in other parts of the country. thought, okay, well, what do we do? We hadn't bought our tickets. We hadn't mapped out a route if we wanted to drive, any of those type of things, so it was still early enough. And I remembered an invitation that Rob Hager has given me for now like 10 years. you got to come up to Chicagoland area, visit us. You need to come up here and see this area. Just come on up, come on up. He kept talking to me about it. And I thought, you know what? I want to go see Rob. And so we took a trip to the Chicagoland area. And it was a fantastic experience. If you were following me on Instagram or seeing the, some of the pictures on Facebook, you see a whole wide range of things there. In the top, your top left-hand corner, yes, that's the right direction, is my buddy Rob. Some of you know Rob. He is the pastor of Jacob's Well. It was started as a mission church in the Chicagoland area. Um, they have moved around a little bit trying to find where they need to be. Right now they're meeting in Yorkville, Illinois, which is just outside of the Chicago area. Um, they've been in Plano. They've ministered to that whole surrounding area there. Rob is just a fantastic guy. I've known Rob since college days. It was actually the floor of his dorm room on March 5th, 1991, at 1 o'clock in the morning that I said okay to God's call in my life. And so that friendship has stayed ever since that time, and we've grown closer over the years. And he said, come on up. He invited our family to stay with theirs. Huh? If you've ever had guests in your home for a while, you know what a big deal that is. But he even made sure that his house was ready to always have guests. Um, he's had mission groups up there and everything else, and he's got a great downstairs. The, the kids had their own bedroom. We had our own bedroom. I was like, wow, this is incredible. 
He was just so hospitable and made us feel at home. First day, we were there the full day. We got there late one night. The next day, Rob took us into the city to see all sorts of things that are there in Chicago. And there are some very cool things. Rob, is, I don't want to say his head is full of a bunch of useless knowledge. I, I claim that myself, but he had all sorts of information in his head that he wanted to share, which was fantastic because when you go into a new city, a new place, you want to hear about some of those things. And so as we walked along, Rob shared some different things. And we came back into the city, and some of those are pictures are from those few days that are around that. And the bottom uh, left-hand corner is a picture of my little Superman. If you are on Instagram and go hashtag little Superman takes Chicago, you can see all sorts of crazy pictures of little Superman. That shot is from the little town of Plano. Plano is where they filled the Smallville scenes of the Man of Steel movie. If you have any interest in that, that was why that little picture is there. But we had a great time. You'll notice the bottom right-hand corner, I'm standing in a plexiglass box that's like three inches thick, and you look down. And if you read our blog, my blog a few weeks back, you, you heard a little bit about that. I'm scared to death of heights. And so for me to get in that little box and look straight down 103 flights, took a leap of faith to do that. <laughs> but we had a fantastic time. We went back into the city, we saw different things. That's the aquarium in the top right-hand corner. One of the best things was getting to worship with Rob and his family. Um, that middle picture there on the top shows just a hodgepodge of the different things. They're meeting in a theater. They're reaching out to people. And these aren't the traditional church people that we, we know and we love. These are people that have very little experience with Jesus. And so they're very authentic. They're very real people. And there are people that are coming to know what it means to be a Christ follower the very first time. Well, we went back into the city several times, but I remember that first day because Rob talked about something that perked my interest. He talked about the great Chicago fire of 1871. Now, this was something that I didn't know a lot about, and so I'm still learning, so if I get any facts wrong, I do apologize for that. But if you may be able to see there on the bottom left-hand corner, 300 people died in this fire, and 100,000 people were left homeless because of the devastation of this about four square mile area that was burned up in this fire. Now what I found interesting as I looked at it, this was all caused, legend has it, that Mrs. O'Leary's cow kicked over an oil lamp and started a fire in a barn. Now Mrs. O'Leary later denies that ever happened and the story goes that this may have been somebody robbing some milk from her and knocked over an oil lamp I don't know. All I know is that there was a great amount <coughs> of destruction, and devastation, and despair, and death because of this fire. 300 people died. 100,000 people were left homeless. One of the accounts said they found around 180 of the bodies, but they know that many of them were incinerated or some went into the river. It was just a horrible stating thing. What I found interesting, as Rob said, is he said, this area that we're standing on now wasn't here before the fire. Well, what are you talking about? Well, they took a lot of the debris, a lot of the carnage, and they shoved it out towards the water. It made Chicago a little bit bigger because of that process. What happened over 100 years later, the city 
It's like it never happened. There's a couple of structures there that say these were here uh, during the fire and they survived the fire. And I, I took a couple of pictures and to get them up here for, for that. But it's just fascinating to me, this idea that out of all of this destruction and despair and death, life came. And that's how it often is with our relationship with God. There is death, but God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, can bring about life. It's an amazing and it's an exciting thing. This morning we're going to talk about the story of Lazarus from John chapter 11. You know, I'm not a big fan of death. I know that this coming week we're going to remember Stan Townsend. And again, we'll get the details out to you as soon as we can. Yesterday, I, I went down to Spyro, Oklahoma to honor my Taekwondo instructor. His mother had passed away uh, after losing a battle with cancer. Being in the ministry, I've been around death quite a bit. I've been there when people have passed away. I've been at more funerals than I can even count. But one of the amazing things is that God, through His Son Jesus, can bring life where there is death. That's what we find in this passage, and that's what I want us to look at today. So going back to the beginning of chapter 11, we want to take a few minutes to understand that Jesus can bring about life out of death. Verse 1, the Bible says, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. And therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. And then after that, saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples said unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? And if any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go, that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he spoke spoken of talking of rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent you may believe, nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. And then when Jesus came, he found that he had laid in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary and to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she had heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary still sat still in the house. And then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. 
And Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. When she had said, she went her way, and Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master has come and calleth for thee. And as soon as she had heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. And then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. He said, Where have you laid it? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaning in himself coming to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay unto it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath, not been, or he hath been dead four days. And Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou hast believed, thou shouldest see the glory of God? And when they took away the stone from the place where he was dead, was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because... The people which stand by it, that it may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he was dead, came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus saith unto him, Loose him and let him go. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for this amazing account of Lazarus how your son stepped in and did the miraculous. I just ask in the next few moments as we look at your word that you give us a clear indication, an encouragement, a hope that we have in your son Jesus. Be with us as a a body of believers. Help us to to always be reaching for you and reaching for others around us. Father, be with us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's a rather lengthy passage. Chapter 11 of John tells a story, and sometimes from a preacher's standpoint, you don't want to have to read 44 verses at once, but just telling little bits of the story, we missed the point. We needed to hear all of it. We needed to see all of it. Several weeks ago, this was one of my soap journals. And as I, as I read through there, I thought, okay, God, what are you trying to show me? What are you wanting me to see And this is the truth that Jesus brings life where there is death. So what's the story in a nutshell? Let's quickly recap. If we look at the first thing, we know that Lazarus was sick. In verse 1 it says, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus, of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. We're familiar with Mary and Martha, their story. 
In verse 4 it says, When Jesus heard that he had said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. We know, we don't know what that sickness was. We did know that it was a deadly sickness. And as we see the story unfold, we find that Lazarus does die. Verse 14, then Jesus said unto them plainly, talking to his disciples, telling them, this is what I mean. He's not just asleep. He's not just taking a nap. Verse 14, Lazarus is dead. There's a finality to that. When we hear that a loved one has passed away, when we hear that someone has, has died before we think that it's time, that person is dead. It's a final statement. In this day and age, we don't, there's no reprieve past that. Death and the judgment. But then we see in verse 21 and 22 that Jesus was blamed for not being there. Verse 21, Martha comes up and said, Then Martha said unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. You know, I imagine if you're there, Martha and Mary, and you're waiting for Jesus to come back so that your brother can be healed, you're, you're waiting and waiting, and he doesn't show up, and then he dies. Then there's still no Jesus. You wonder, did he really care? Does he really care? Death was a reality there. But in verse 25 of our passage, Scripture, Jesus promises life. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life, and he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Jesus promised life. And Jesus shows compassion in verse 35. I remember as a kid always thinking, well, I can memorize at least one verse. Jesus wept. You heard it before. Now, not too many people can find where it's at, but they know those two little words tied together. That's a whole verse of Scripture. But those two little words also show that Jesus cared, that Jesus was concerned. He loved his friend Lazarus. He loved his, his friends Mary and Martha. He cared about them. So it speaks a great deal about the heart of God in just those two little words. And then in verses 43 and 44, we see that Jesus delivers on his promise. There it says, And when he had thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He that was dead came forth, found hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus said unto them, Loose him, and let him go. You know, as I read through that passage with my soap journal, as I've studied through it this um, past several days and looked at this, this overwhelming truth that Jesus brings life where there is death. That resonated in my heart on a lot of different levels. This morning I want to share just a, four different areas that I think that Jesus can bring life where there is death. First of all, Jesus brings life to dead hearts. If you look over in John chapter 5, verse 24, the Bible says... Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. There are dead hearts all around us. There may be dead hearts here in this congregation today. 
I wish I knew the spiritual condition of every person in this congregation, that I can look out and with some sort of magic glasses be able to see. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. Oh, they don't need Jesus. They're eternally secure. That would be fantastic if we could see that. But it's something that each and every one of us have to evaluate. Where are we at in that spiritual process? Is our heart been made alive by Jesus Christ? Or are we still dead in our sins? A few years back, I asked our students to work through and memorize the Roman road. I could call one of you guys up here and see if they can memorize it. What do you think, Daniel? No? Okay. All right. In Romans 3, chapter, and we're going to start one verse before what I normally have them start in. But in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, it says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. That means every person that is in this world, every person that we come into contact with, they on their own have no righteousness. They're in need of a Savior. In verse 23, the Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means that every person, how sweet or innocent, how good or kind, none of those things matter. There is a relationship with God that must begin with Jesus Christ. That's where it has to start. In Romans 5, 8, the Bible says, But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He made a a solution. He made a way. In Romans 6.23, the Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then Romans 10, 9, 10, and 13, the Bible says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with a heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13 is our hope. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Simple truth is that Jesus brings life to dead hearts. And there are dead hearts all around us. Hopefully, everyone in here, their heart has been made alive by Jesus Christ. But if you haven't, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that we realize that Jesus brings life where there is death. He's wanting to do that in each and every one of our hearts. The second thing that I want us to see this morning is that Jesus can bring life to dead relationships. There are people in your life that you have struggled to maintain good relationships with. Maybe they're family members. Maybe you've had a fight, an argument. You have thoughts, this is just torn apart. It's never going to work again. I'm just going to leave them out of my life. But the truth is that Jesus, when he steps in, can bring life to any situation. He can bring life to any place. He works and he does the amazing and the supernatural. So you may think, well, I thought that relationship, that was over. I've given up. But when we trust Christ in something, we can do the miraculous. So I want to encourage you. If it is a marriage that you think you're ready to walk out on, if it is a friendship that you're ready just to to give up on, maybe it is a family member that you have struggled and fought with and you just can't figure out what to do, we turn those things over to Jesus Christ and He can bring life when all we see is death. The third thing I want us to see is that Jesus brings life to dead ministries. This is something that spoke to my heart. I'll tell you, when I was soaping through um, 
the book of John, and as I, I came across this passage of Scripture, what rung true with my heart was the fact that in 2007, we shut down our mission church. I pastored Haven Baptist Mission from 99 until 2007. We closed the doors. You know, I thought in a lot of ways that God was done with me in, a, in some those type of areas. But as I read and prayed, I understood that God wants to use us. He wants to bring life to ministries that we may think, oh, I can't do that anymore. He wants to work in us so that we can serve people. Maybe it's a, something into a, a job and into a career. But God, in His infinite power and wisdom and love, can bring about the miraculous. If you look back at Jonah chapter 3, verse 1, there's something that has always excited me. It's a short little phrase. Says the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I love that. Why? Because we learn in chapter one that Jonah was an idiot. I mean, let's be honest. Jonah was an idiot. He had said to God, I'm out of here. See ya. God had given him specific instructions. You know, we often wonder what God wants. God had told Jonah what to do. And so Jonah went the opposite direction. He fled from, from God, got on a ship, ended up in the ocean, ended up swallowed by a great fish. And all of a sudden, in verse three, or verse one of chapter three, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. God wasn't done with Jonah. God is not done with you. Maybe a ministry, maybe a job, it may be a career, it may be something that God is wanting to give you a second chance in. Something that you thought was dead. I gotta imagine that Jonah thought he was dead. Whether by sinking to the bottom of the ocean, being swallowed by a great fish, the Lord of the Word came, a Lord, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. That brought hope. Jesus brings life to dead ministries. We also know the story of John Mark. Um, Paul and Barnabas served together. And at some point along the way, they had a, a breakup in ministry one. And at the heart of this was a young man by the name of John Mark. That isn't the end of the story, though. Later on in Scripture, we find Paul asking for Mark to come because he's of use to me. There's a second chance there as well. God wants to bring about life through His Son, Jesus Christ, to dead hearts, to dead relationships, to dead ministries. There is life in the midst of death because Jesus can do the amazing. If we look at this last thing, we will understand that Jesus brings life to dead dreams. You know, I don't know what the dreams are for your life or your dreams are for our church that you have. But you know what? Even when we think that something is dead, that it's not going to work, that there's no way that it has been squashed repeatedly by people, we've got to understand that Jesus can bring life to those things that seem dead. Too often, we think it's over. Can't do it anymore. Don't want to do it anymore. But Jesus is just waiting for us to be ready. Back in our passage in verse... 43, the Bible says, and when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. 
he that was dead came forth, found hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, Loose him, and let him go. Jesus brings life where all we see is death. He's done it over and over in my life. We can do it in yours. We've got a picture. You may see that gigantic bush. That is my neighbor's van. Um, couldn't figure out a great way to shoot it. I went out in the rain this morning to get it. I was like, okay, what are we going to do here? That bush is a blessing and a curse. You may have one like this in your house as well, or outside of your house, hopefully not in it. But it is a few months ago, my neighbor and I were just staring at thing. It's dead. All right. It divides our property. We'll be able to tear this thing out and just get rid of it. And then all of a sudden, rains came, and now look at it. It's enormous. It grew back. We both thought it was dead, that there was no life in it at all. But all of a sudden, out of that, what appeared to be dead was life. The truth is that Jesus brings life where there is death. He can do that in our ministries. He can do that with our dreams. He can do that most definitely in our hearts. Jesus loves us. He cares about us. And He wants to bring life into each and every one of our lives. Does your family need more Jesus? Does your ministry, does your job, does your approach to school, friendships, never have enough Jesus. And knowing that Jesus brings life and brings all hope.